Um, okay, we're talking about justice, our sermon series for the past few weeks. Uh, the concept of justice, true justice is allowing God to be himself and to do what only he can do. Um, Pastor, past two weeks we've talked about justice was granted to the persistent uh, the first week and uh, they don't lose heart. They know they are his and they pray day and night. Last week, Pastor talked about justice granted to the humble. They don't trust in themselves. Yeah, I agree with that too. They don't trust in themselves. They don't think they're better. They're willing to beg for mercy and they always embrace their sin. Today, we're going to talk about justice is granted to the peaceful uh, who are the peaceful. To Commitment to Truth, the outreach ministry of Commitment Community Church, a place for all nations. To learn more about Commitment, please visit our website, www.commitmentchurch.org. Like us on Facebook and download our mobile app. Now, let's enjoy today's message. Now, before I get started, let's pray. Father, we're just so thankful that we're able to gather in this place this morning and open the Word of God. We're thankful that you've provided us with this precious word, this source of truth that we can read, understand, get to know who you are, and understand who we are in you. That you would guide us, direct us. Father, get me out of your way so that your word can be what's heard here today. May your Holy Spirit have free reign in our hearts and our minds. May we block out all the junk that gets in the way so that we can hear clearly from you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, There's a story I heard. Um, There was this Irish fella. I like to pick up. There was this Irish fella that got into a bit of an altercation with another man, and this man knocked him down. So he gets back up, and he turns the other cheek, and the man proceeds to smack him and knock him down again. And then he gets up, and he pummels the fella. So afterwards, his friend says, I don't understand. He says, you let the guy hit you once. You got up. You let him hit you again. Why did you then pummel him? I don't understand. He says, well, you know, the Bible says to turn the other cheek. But then it doesn't tell you what to do afterwards. <laughs> so I took matters into my own hand. Well, I beg to differ with that story. And we're going to learn today that the Bible does tell you what to do afterwards. And taking things into your own hands that we normally do is not what we're called to do. So those of you who know me and have heard me preach before know that I like to wander all over Scripture, and I cheat by having it all typed out. Today, I'm not cheating. I'm going to go through this just like you are, because I want to encourage you to bring your Bibles, open your Bibles, look up the Scripture, and read it for yourself. You'll be amazed in the process of a sermon, when you're looking at a piece of scripture, and you'll do what I always do when I listen to someone else preach, I have a tendency to wander a little bit further on in the scripture. And sometimes I'll kind of get lost into where the scripture goes, and I stop listening to the pastor. Don't, don't tell him I said that. But it's the Holy Spirit of God that's working in me to lead me to something he wants me to hear that I think sometimes we miss because we're not open in the Word. So let me encourage you today to get out your Bibles and look because I'm going to look it up just as you are, so 
if it takes me a little while to get from verse to verse, you'll understand why. Just like you will. Okay, we are in Romans chapter 12. So let's go there. Romans chapter 12. We're going to start in verse 17. Romans chapter 12. Romans is one of my favorite books. One of these days I'll just rip through Romans and we'll have some fun. But for now, let's just go to Romans chapter 12. We'll start with verse 17. And our first point is this, is the peaceful are those who don't take revenge. Starting in verse 17. I'm going to read verse 17 to 21, and then I'll come back and we'll break it down. So starting in verse 17, never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Respect what is right in the sight of all men. If possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. And if he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Uh, Just as an educational thing, because I'm a teacher and I can't help myself, when you see in your Bible that the words are in all capital letters, that means it's actually from somewhere else in Scripture. And Paul here is quoting from somewhere else, and we'll get to that when we get there. So verse 17, the first part says, never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Uh, that goes back to Proverbs chapter 20. So let's go to Proverbs chapter 20. See, I told you I was going to do that with you. Proverbs chapter 20, and we'll look at verse 22. Proverbs 20, 22 says, do not say I will repay evil. Wait for the Lord and he will save you. Proverbs 24, just a couple pages over. Verse 29. I told you I was going to move quick. Do not say, thus I shall do to him as he has done to me. I, meaning God, will render to the man according to his work. So it's clear in Scripture from Old Testament and New that it's not up to us to pay someone back. Now, when we think of revenge... And I don't know, some of you may remember there was a TV show called Revenge where some woman who was, uh, her parents were murdered or something or whatever, and she came back later on as someone else. I don't know. Anyhow, (laughs) typical TV show. I get lost. Um, Anyhow, when we think of revenge, a lot of times it means somebody did something to me, so I'm going to plot and plan on how to get them back. That's revenge. That's evil. And we're not called to do that. But sometimes what we don't think of as revenge is when that guy just cut me off, and you best believe I'm going to get back in front of him (laughs) and repay kind for kind. Okay, now I know I talk a lot about driving. I am a terrible driver. I'll be the first one. My son's here. He'll tell you the same thing. Uh, And I drive for a living, so I get to do that a lot. So I get to do a lot of bad things. Um, But anyhow, that, the other part of that, and, and, I, and I know I do this, and I bet you all think the same way too, is you'll see somebody cut somebody off like three cars up. And you'll think to yourself, I want to go get him back for what he just did to that poor person. <laughs> because naturally, we think that way. Our sin nature takes us over and just think it's a natural process that it's up to us 
to make sure people get paid back for what they've done. But it's not. Our second point says they respect what's right. That's the second part of verse 17. If we go back to Romans chapter 12, verse 17 says, respect what is right in the sight of all men. Right meaning beautiful by reason of purity. Respect is to provide for in one's behalf or to practice diligently. Kind of odd definitions for what they have here. But basically the concept is this. If it's right, we respect it. If it's wrong, we don't. And it's wrong in the first part of this verse to say to pay back evil for evil. Therefore, we, there's no respect there. See, we think we're doing a good thing when we pay somebody back for what they've done. But in actuality, we're not. And there's no respect in that. So you're not going to get respect. The literal translation is actually, take thought for things honorable, is the actual literal translation of that phrase. So when evil comes upon you in one way or another, instead of thinking the evil thought, we're to think of the honorable thought. And what's honorable? I'll get to that at the end. (laughs) But trust me, I'll get there. I promise, I promise I'll get you there. Moving right on, the third point is they live at peace, verse 18, which says, if possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Interesting way to say that, if possible, which means there are times where it won't be. But the second part of that, as far as it depends on you, is where it's important. You can do all the wonderful things that you can possibly do to someone, and they still are not going to like you. It's the nature of the beast. But it does depend on you to do what you can to be at peace with everyone. Not just the people that like you. But we're to be at peace with everyone. Definition of peace is quiet, calm, lack of hostility. But I want to go a little deeper into peace. Because what we're missing here is the peace of God. Because I really believe that's where he's aiming here, and this is what Paul's talking about. The peace of God. So we're going to start. Get your nimbles fingers nimbles fingered. Matthew chapter (laughs) 5. I'm tired already. Must have been that praise dancer. Matthew chapter 5, please. Matthew chapter 5, verse 9. This is the Beatitudes. This is the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus gave. And we had this whole series of the blesseds. We call the Beatitudes. And verse 9 says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Please go to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 and verses 5 and 6. For those who are according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who are according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For the mindset on the flesh is death, but the mindset on the spirit is life and peace. Now, how do we get our mindset on the spirit? How do we become sons of God? 
It's when we trust Christ as our Savior, when we put our faith and trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary as our only payment for our sin, the only way we can ever get to God, the only way God will ever hear anything that we ask of him, and the only way we'll ever hear from him is when we come to that point of knowing that we can't do it, he did it, let's trust in him. And when that happens, the Holy Spirit of God comes and dwells within you, and you are now a son of God. Therefore, you can be a peacemaker because you have peace with God. I would like to suggest that you can never have peace with man unless you have peace with God because true peace comes from God through the Spirit of God that if you don't have within you, you can't do, you can't feel, you can't sense. You don't know it's there because you don't even know what that peace feels like. Guys, just look at the news every day. How good is man doing at peace? We can't even have an election with peace. Because our country right now is like this. Because man is trying to create peace and he can't. Because without God, it's impossible. Stay in uh, Romans, go to verse, chapter 8, go to verse 14. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. You get the picture. If you haven't placed your trust and faith in, in, in Jesus Christ, you are not a son of God. You can't have peace, God's peace, or peace with man. So it begins there. Go to Romans chapter 5. In case you haven't noticed yet, I like Romans. Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You see where I'm getting all this from? I'm not making it up. Okay, it comes from Scripture. Colossians, please. Chapter 3. Get going, we ain't done yet. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, in case you're looking for it. Colossians chapter 3, verse 15. Says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Go back to Romans. We're going to go back there anyhow, so you might as well go back there. Romans chapter 14, verse 19. So let us pursue the things which make for peace and the building up of one another. So herein lies the concept. When we have peace with God, we can have peace with man. And I just read you a whole bunch of verses that talked about that. And remember I talked about doing the honorable thing? Let's get to that now. Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, and we'll start in verse 6. Now when we think of Philippians 4, 6, while you're getting there, it's a common verse we talk about when we talk about prayer. Bless you. But it leads us on to other things. So let's start with Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, which says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So now... We can understand that this peace of God that we want to have in our hearts so that we can pass that peace on to other people, we have to pray for it. 
Some of these things aren't just automatic. God's going to give them to you. James says you have not because you ask not. So ask. <laughs> you want peace? Ask for it. Because James also says if you ask, he'll give it to you liberally. But you've got to ask. Continue on, verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there's any excellence, if anything worthy of praise, dwell in these things. So when that guy cuts you off, or your boss says something nasty about you, or somebody's talking behind your back at work that really upsets you, instead of thinking about that, we're supposed to think about whatever is true, honorable, right, pure. Those are the thought processes that are supposed to come through our mind. I always, when I, when I teach this verse, I've always taught that this is, this is the test for what I watch on TV, what music I listen to, what video games do you play. See if it falls into this test. Because if it don't pass this test, throw it out. I'm a fan of the garbage in, garbage out theory. And if you're letting garbage into your mind, I trust you, trust me, it's what's going to come out of your mouth. Out of the abundance of the heart, the man speaks. Whatever you're shoving in there, when it comes time for you to react to someone that has provided evil to you, what you have seen on TV or heard on music is what's going to come back out of you. So if you're watching all those cop shows, like I do, <clears throat> and you're waiting for the cop to shoot that guy that keeps shooting at him all the time, or you wonder why they fired 200 bullets and missed, and, and you're sitting there going, just shoot the guy, he's bad. And then I start thinking, wait a minute, what's wrong with me? <laughs> Where's that attitude coming from? Uh, but it comes from because I'm watching this stuff all the time and letting this into my head, and I'm not letting this into my head. And I'm not being guided by the spirit of God that lives within me, but I'm being guided by the spirit of man from that TV set. And it really makes you sit back and go, <laughs> let me reopen this and go back and look at Philippians one more time before I change the channel. Verse 9, the things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Could you say that to your sons and your daughters? Could you say to them, follow me because I'm following Christ? Because I guarantee you, your sons and your daughters will do as you do, not as you say. All right, let's go back. Oh, and by the way, remember the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace. When you have put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit of God has come into you, Galatians 5.22, the Spirit and that fruit come in you as well, and you have access to all of it at one time. problem is we don't access it. But it's there. So if you're not practicing peace and peacemaking, you're then quenching the Holy Spirit of God. 
and he can't work in your life. And there's now something between you and your God, and guess what happens next? Your prayers can't get through the ceiling. So while we're practicing evil for evil or revenge on someone who's done something bad for you, all of those times we spend on our knees before God are useless because there's sin in our heart that we haven't confessed and given back to him so that he can hear us. Go back to Romans chapter 12, please, in verse 19. I cheated because I put my little thing here. I have a Bible at home. It has like four of them in there. I should have grabbed that one. Uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 19. They leave room for God is our next point. Verse 19 says, Never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. So to give room means to give a place, opportunity, or occasion for acting. So we're going to make room for God to do it. If we seek to repay evil for evil, God can't get in there and do what he wants to do in somebody's life because we've gotten in the way. And that's exactly what he's talking about here. The interesting thing, and I, uh, part of this, it's leaving room for the wrath of God. Now, I don't know about you, but that, to me, that's like one of the scariest phrases in the Bible. Because he can certainly dish out wrath a heck of a lot better than I can. But I read a thing in a Bible dictionary I got at home, and I got to read this to you because this is one of the most awesome things, the definitions I've ever heard about in the wrath of God. So I want to read this to you because it's really cool. The wrath of God is the personal manifestation of God's holy moral character in judgment of sin. It is not vindictive or malicious. It's holy indignation. God's anger against sin. Now listen to this. God's wrath is an expression of his holy love. That sounds weird, doesn't it? If God is not a God of wrath, his love is no more than frail, worthless sentimentality. The concept of mercy is meaningless, and the cross was a cruel and unnecessary experience for his son. Let that sink in for a minute. The wrath of God is the manifestation of his love. See, the whole concept of salvation through Jesus Christ, what's he saving us from? He's saving us from God's wrath. Come on, you guys have all read the last book. <laughs> right? You all know all about Revelation. You know what happens when God's wrath is poured out on the earth? And you read about the, the, the seas being turned into blood and all the rest of that stuff. I mean, come on, I don't want to be around here when that happens. That's God's wrath. But God's love is manifested in the fact that he doesn't want us to go through that. And in order to give us the opportunity to not go through that, he sent his son. Who paid all of the painful price so we don't have to. All of the beard pulling and thorns on his head and all the stuff that Jesus went through to get to the cross was so that we don't have to. So we don't have to suffer that wrath. God wants us to see that there is wrath involved. There is justice in God. 
The whole Old Testament reveals the justice of God. When the children of Israel went back into Palestine and destroyed all those nations, it wasn't because they needed a place to live. It was because all of those nations had driven them out. All of those nations were idol worshipers that had ignored God and shook their fist in the face of God. And God poured out his wrath on those people using the nation of Israel. The Bible is filled with the justice of God and we need to be aware of it to know that he loves us so much that he doesn't want to pour that wrath out on us. Last point. We do good to overcome evil, verses 20 and 21. Back in Romans chapter 12. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. And if he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Now, I don't know about you, but when I first read this when I was young, uh, my first thought was, well, wait a minute. If, I don't, if I'm not supposed to have an attitude of revenge towards someone, why would I have an attitude? Man, I want to put burning coals on his head. That sounds like revenge to me. <laughs> Heap them on, baby. <laughs> Bury the sucker in them. Uh, and that, sounds, that really sounds like revenge. Uh, but that's not the idea. <clears throat> so I was mistook. Um, I'll give you an example of it, and then we'll talk about it a little bit. Um, there's an Egyptian ritual from ancient times where a guilty person would carry a pan of burning coals on his head to indicate his repentance. If you think about Jonah as an example, Jonah goes up to Nineveh to tell them that they're heathens and sinners and murderers and they better repent or God's going to bring out all this wrath on the, on the, on the city of Nineveh. And what do they do? <laughs> they repent and they sit in sackcloth and ashes because that's a sign of repentance. So our goal, this is this, I'm gonna, we've walked all the way around this to get to this point. Our goal when someone does evil to us is that they become believers in Jesus Christ. There's no better way to have peace. We got a whole room here full of people that disagree with each other but we have peace because we agree on the one most important thing, the Holy Scriptures, the Word of God. And therefore, we have peace. We have peace because we believe in the peacemaker and because his spirit makes us peacemakers amongst ourselves. And then we begin to realize how trivial are the things that we disagree about because the only thing that matters is Jesus. So when that evil comes upon us, when someone says those bad things about us or to us, we need to be kind to them so that they can see something different. Let's go to Matthew, please, chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. I'm going to start in verse 44. And this is a continuation of Jesus after he gave the Beatitudes on the Sermon on the Mount. This is where he kind of took us to. Matthew chapter 5, verse 44 through 48. Actually, I'll start in 43, because it kind of leads us into it here. Jesus says in verse 43, You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies, 
Pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good, and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? If you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? Therefore, you are to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. If we only love the people that love us, what makes us different? How will anyone ever know that the Holy Spirit of God that dwells within you through the salvation that comes through Jesus Christ has made you any different than anyone else if the only one you love is the one who loves you? This is the whole key of what makes us different people. I have always said that if I act like everyone else does in the world, when someone looks at me and says, well, he's a Christian, and I act just like him, why should I bother? Why should I waste my time? I can go out and party and have fun and act just like him. There's nothing different about him. But how we show our difference to people in the world is how we love. And loving the people that are unlovely is what makes us different. This takes us all the way back to the fruit of the Spirit when we talked about love as part of the fruit of the Spirit. That love was unconditional love, that agape love, that Christ-like love that as human beings we cannot do. Therefore, without the Spirit of God, we can't love those that are unlovely. This is the same concept and the same idea. It goes totally against our nature to say nice things about someone who hates us or who has said bad things about us. But we're to have the mind of Christ. So we do what's opposite of what the world would do, and we show kindness to those who don't like us. We give them water to drink. And that heaping of coals is that eventually they're going to go, wow, I was really nasty to him, and look what he did. There really is something different. Maybe I need to go to that church and find out what they're talking about. Or maybe they're going to come to you and say, dude, how in the world did you do that? I just said all these nasty things to you, and you showed me love. How did you do that? Oh, my goodness, what a beautiful opportunity to share Jesus Christ with the people you work with. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, you don't have to go there. That's okay. Just write it down. You can go there later. Right before the fruit of the Spirit, Paul says, if you walk in the Spirit, you won't fulfill the desires of the flesh. Folks, therein lies the key. We need to be walking in the Spirit. How do we walk in the Spirit? Go back to Philippians chapter 4. The things that we allow into our minds and our heads and our ears are the things that are going to come out of our mouths and out of our life. But if we're going to have the mind of Christ, we need to open the book. Man, I've been saying this every time I stand up here. We need to be people of the book. 
We're not going to know who Jesus is if we're not looking at the book to see who he is and finding out who he is. Popping in here for half an hour and listening to me ain't going to cut it. So I'll advertise Wednesday night at 6.30. <laughs> I'll be here so we can do it again. But you see where I'm coming from, guys? You want to have peace in your heart, you need to have peace with God. And that peace will continue when you have peace with men. When you, if you're losing your peace, it's because somewhere along the line it got broke. Your reaction was incorrect. Your heart wasn't quite right. And the only way to get it back is to pray. That's why Philippians chapter 4 starts at verse 6 where it talks about prayer. We can't have the mind of Christ unless we, mind of Christ unless we ask for it. We can't be nice to somebody who treats us like garbage if we don't ask God to help us do it. Because in our own personal nature, we can't. We'll fail at it. We'll take that water and throw it in his face. So you need God to help you. And you see how this kind of all kind of gels itself together? Okay? This is what I want for you. Because, guys, look, we all fall into this trap. It is so easy to want to pay somebody back. It is so, so easy. It's hard to do the right thing, to be nice to somebody who ain't nice to you. But the only way you can do that is by relying on the Holy Spirit of God. Pray, 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 and pray again. But I guarantee you, he'll answer you. And he'll give you the power to not pay back evil for evil, not be overcome by evil, as it says in verse 21, but to come overcome evil with good. And that's what we should be all about as children of God. Let's pray. Father, we love your word. We find in it the words of truth. And sometimes this truth is really hard to swallow and even harder to practice. But yet we know that within us is God. And yet sometimes we seem afraid to rely on that power that you've given us. That same power that healed blind men and the lame, that raised people from the dead, including Jesus himself. We have that same power in us to just be nice to people who aren't nice to us. Father, give us the courage to stand for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to Commitment to Truth, the outreach ministry of Commitment Community Church. If you would like to learn more about Jesus Christ, please visit our website, www.commitmentchurch.org forward slash start. This website will walk you through having a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Please let us know if you made a decision to follow Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, or if you would like to support God's Word through this ministry, please visit our website at www.commitmentchurch.org. Lastly, if you or your family are in the South Jersey or Philly metro area, please visit us at Commitment Community Church.